And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Got a lot of updates today. Holy smokes. We got the U.S. Marshals investigating abuses of January 6th protesters by the government. So the U.S. Marshals are now involved. Uh, remember, there's a judge who thought that maybe people who are defendants in the January 6th case were being denied their civil rights. Well, now the U.S. Marshals are investigating that. Uh, we've got an update on Brian Laundry. We'll get to that here in just a second. That's a big one. Uh, if you're left-handed, congratulations. You're as oppressed as uh, minorities in the United States of America. And by the way, that one like sneaks up always around holiday time, like every couple of years. The lefties out there, like the, the literal lefties, not like left-wingers, but the literal lefties, they come out of the woodwork and, and they're all just like, yeah, we're oppressed too. And I have to remind them that Ned Flanders created a store just for you. Um, we also have this this amazingly, I'm going to call it naive Jen Psaki moment where she just attacked all of you. And she did it in a press conference. She's having a really bad couple of weeks of press conferences because she has just stepped in massive piles of elephant crap over the past couple of weeks. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. I do want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw, R&B Car Company are your used car experts. So wake up uh, earlier today, get a notification on my my phone from one of the apps that I use, and it says, hey, we found some clothes that belong to Brian Laundry." Of course, Brian Laundry is the person officially, the person of interest in the Gabby Petito case, who is only wanted on bank fraud charges. Josh, just so you know, news guy, when you write your articles on this, he's only wanted for bank charges, and he's just a person of interest in the death of Gabby Petito, who was murdered, according to the coroner. But I digress. Um, so anyway, we find out that they find some of his personal effects in an area that they were looking for him. So they find his personal effects, and then we end up hearing, hey, the coroner and a cadaver dog have been called out to look for Brian Laundrie's remains. And then we find out in the middle of the day that partial human remains may have been found. Now, this here's why... This is interesting. Of course, one of the things that we've been saying is the area that he reportedly went off into and ran away from. And, of course, the parents are now apparently singing like songbirds and they want to cooperate all of a sudden, uh, his parents. But the area that he went off into was was seen going off into the last time people saw him alive. The locals there say when you go in that area, you don't come out. It's gator country and you, you don't leave. So... What's interesting about these remains is that they have been found in an area that was previously submerged by water, and it has not been confirmed to be human remains, okay? But it's near where personal effects for Brian Laundry have been found. This is in the Carlton Reserve in Florida. So this area where it was found and the alleged human remains were found was, was previously underwater, so they have been over there looking at stuff, and it's underwater. Uh, for those of you who do not know, gators don't eat fresh meat. Gators drowned you, and then they take you back to their little den, and they let your corpse bloat and rot. They they like their meat a little funky. Uh, you could say gamey for you hunters out there. They like their meat a little gamey. And then what happens is gators kind of come back into, into their den, and they, you know, it's, it's like their pantry. So they go, they, they snag a bite, they go back out and sunbathe and that sort of thing. That's just kind of how gators operate. So it would stand to reason that if this ends up being his remains, that he was, in fact, taken by gators. They drowned him. 
put him in an area that was flooded with water. Now that that water has receded, his remains and his belongings and personal effects have now been exposed for the authorities to find. There is no confirmation that this is Brian Laundrie's body. Just, I want to make that crystal clear here, okay? We don't have any confirmation of that. There is a cadaver dog out there looking for more remains. The coroner is out there. DNA testing is the next step in all of this. The remains that were found uh, were, were next to a back or near a backpack, according to a source. And this is, uh, this is NBC News, by the way. So the remains were found near a backpack, which may be consistent with the type of items Laundry may have had in his possession. I heard earlier that it was his possessions. So NBC not officially confirming that. So it's entirely possible. You, know, you get these stories. They break. Breaking news is always wrong. That's the thing you you always have to remember that breaking news is always wrong. So when you do live coverage of an event or something like that, it's one of the reasons that I don't really jump to conclusions and why so many people, not just in this area, but even around the country, listen to me when I do a, a breaking event because I'm not the guy going out there and telling everybody we need gun control now or this happened or that because I don't do that. Um, it's one of the things I'm pretty proud of in, in my career. Um, and it's, you know, most stuff I'm just like, eh, whatever. But I think I do live coverage pretty darn good. So breaking news is always wrong. The early reports are that it was Brian Laundrie's personal effects and that it was Brian Laundrie's remains. None of that is actually confirmed by the authorities at this point in time. They're, it's suspected, but it's not actually confirmed. So once the DNA test comes back, once the items in his that were found in this area were identified positively, then, of course, the authorities will let you know. Uh, there's expected to be some kind of a press conference a little bit later on to kind of update everybody about that. I don't know exactly what time that is happening. Most of those happen between 5 and 6. That's just a general time frame, but occasionally they'll sneak it in around 4, 4.30. But generally speaking, it's between 5 and 6 when they do this as they're they're going through. And you're not going to have any solid answers at that point in time, I would assume, uh, unless they can positively identify some something that was unique in the backpack that would have belonged to Brian Laundrie. Because the DNA test is going to take some time to come back. So hopefully in a couple of days we'll know for sure. Uh, the FBI and the MPPD were informed last night of, of Brian's parents' intentions. And hold on a second. got to back up. Chris and Roberta Laundry went went to a creek that I cannot pronounce. It's in an environment, an environment park uh, to search for Brian. The FBI and the MPPD were informed last night of Brian's parents' intentions. They met them uh, they met them there this morning after a brief search off of a trail that Brian frequented. Some articles belonging to Brian were found. Uh, so I guess they are confirming some of that stuff. As of now, law enforcement is conducting a more thorough investigation of that area. So the backpack, I guess, is not confirmed to be his, but the stuff that was found in the trail, they're saying are his. So, again, they've got a cadaver dog out there right now. They've got the the uh, coroner's office out there right now. You know, they're going to do the DNA test and all of that stuff. Right now, though... It looks as if it might be him. So it's leaning heavily in that direction that Brian Laundrie is probably toast, which is what we've kind of assumed for a while now. All right. Um, and this is, you know, the only thing that we can hope at this point is that the parents, the parents get charged with what they need to be charged with because his parents are, are clearly accessories in, in cover up of this. And we also, we, we hope that there's some kind of a note or something left behind that, that will be in his personal effects. We'll be able to, you know, maybe get an idea of what happened uh, beyond just what we know already in public. So 
We'll continue to update you on that, but look for look for some some big breaking news in the Gabby Petito case over the next couple of days. All right, we got to talk about Jen Saki. Jen Saki, and I know that you've been busy with stuff today, Josh. Have you seen what Jen Jen Saki said today? Jen Saki really hates treadmills, like a lot. We're going to talk about that coming up on Newstalk ninety five three Michiana's News Channel. What was that? You said no. Sorry, we're, I'm arguing with my producer because he gave me the wrong information. I'm going to play the tape back. You were wrong. You told me to say that one. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Casey Hendrickson here, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Also uh, covering for Pat Miller today on Newstalk 1190, 107.5 FM. And if you want to watch the live stream of the show, Go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. Why? Because YouTube sucks. Go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. While you're there, follow me on Telegram. Why? Because Facebook sucks. Go to Telegram and follow me at Casey the host as well. All right, so let's let's take a look at at Jen Pisaki. Uh, by the way, she does make she, she makes sock sake, Josh. Did you know that? She made sake. And this joke never gets old to me, by the way. It's just really, really bitter sake. All right, can you cue my audio, please? I've got to, I've got to play this. This is Jen Saki. She's asked a very simple question about the supply chain. And for those of you in Fort Wayne, obviously you know that Pete Buttigieg used to be the mayor in South Bend here. Uh, we have been mocking how horrible of a decision it was to make him transportation secretary because his transportation record is horrendous, uh, and it is on full display right now. But Jen Saki. She's getting tired of answering these questions about the supply chain. This is what happens. Here's the thing. There's two different theories happening right now. One, people like Jen Psaki are just so out of touch because they are insulated in the beltway that they don't really know what's happening in America. Theory number two is they do know they're just that evil. They, they're just lying. They're pathological about it. There's probably some bleed over between those two theories and some truth in both. I genuinely think that people that have been involved in bureaucracies as long as Jen Psaki has, that they genuinely do not know how any of this works, which is why some of the statements that they make don't make any sense. If you're going to lie about it, generally speaking, it would be a better lie than, than what we're getting. So anyway, she's she's asked, she's like, look, you can't you can't make the case that these supply chain things are brand new. We have known since March of 2020. You know, you know what happened in March of 2020, Josh? The pandemic started. We have known since the start of the pandemic that there could be supply chain issues here because of this. And you accused the previous administration of not getting supply chain issues under control. And here you guys are, almost 11 months later, screwing it up way worse than it ever has been throughout the pandemic. And this was basically Jen Psaki's response. Just a question on the timing uh, on the supply chain issue. 
issue yeah. um, actions that the president has taken. Mm -hmm. it, it was clear in March of 2020 yep. when COVID hit that, that the supply chains across the world have been disrupted. Yep. Even as, as the sort of work to fight back against COVID proceeded, yep. people, it was, it was crystal clear that things were not improving on supply chain. People mm -hmm. didn't get dishwashers and, mm -hmm. and furniture and mm -hmm. treadmills delivered on time, not to mention all sorts of other things. So why the is it the tragedy of the short the treadmill that's delayed? Right, the tread, right, the yes, the tragedy of the treadmill that's delayed, Josh. That's if that isn't a modern equivalent of let them eat cake. I don't know what it. By the way, the let them eat cake thing is a myth, but you know, is still we use, still use it. Um, okay, when you're going to the grocery store right now, what's missing from the shelves? Quick. Right. Not treadmills. That's the first thing that you say. Not treadmills. You can get treadmills just fine. There are some treadmills that are delayed and being delivered. But you're getting them. The point that was being made is that we've had a supply chain issue for certain items since the beginning of the pandemic. And as things continue to get worse and your administration continues to have zero answers here, the transportation secretary hasn't done his job. I went over, for those of you who missed it, was that Monday? I went over an entire list of things that Pete Buttigieg's responsibilities would have handled. And he didn't handle them. And, of course, the excuse for him not handling them was, well, he didn't do them before he went on paternity leave two months ago. And during that two-month period, whoever was handling things for him didn't handle them either, which tells you that it's either intentional or everybody is inept. Leave it up to you to decide what it is. I, I think I've made a pretty strong case for intentional, though. So, Gensok, oh, yeah, the, the tragedy of the treadmill that is delayed. Mm. All right, when you go to the grocery store, you're seeing all sorts of things that are missing. And as a parent, by the way, I, you know, some of these things are really affecting parents, kids, uh, school, that sort of stuff. So let's, let's go over some of the things that, that we have missing here. Oh, first of all, the car repair business is all sorts of messed up right now because materials and parts can't be had. There's actually news stories that have been floating around over the past couple of weeks about car repair businesses that are temporarily shutting shop because they can't get the things they need to do their job. So that's car repair. Good thing nobody needs car repair, Josh, because there's plenty of treadmills apparently available, according to Daywalker Saki. So you got car repair businesses. Uh, what are some other common items? Um, you know, little things like turkey and chicken and pet food. Bottled water. Uh, Benton Harbor in Michigan could, could use some of that bottled water right now since Gretchen Whitmer has been trying to poison them with lead for a couple of years without telling anybody. Uh, liquor. Liquor is in short supply. Some liquor is running out. I know. It's a national travesty. Uh, the other thing is Lunchables. This has been one that's actually hit my family because my kids love Lunchables. Can't get Lunchables. They're hard to find. At least the ones that my kids like. The ones that don't really matter, you know, obviously they won't eat those. The point is, is that it's not treadmills that are disappearing from the shelves. It's everyday items. It is common items that are affecting people's livelihoods. You look at the meat section of your grocery store right now, there's supply chain issues there. There's all sorts of supply chain issues for office supplies, which are affecting, you know, businesses and that sort of thing. But, you know, Daywalker Saki comes out there. Oh, yeah, the, the travesty of, uh, of the delayed treadmill. She's having a really bad couple of weeks because she has stepped in it like at least two times really, really big over the past couple of weeks. But that's what they think of you.
That is what they think of you. It's really not all that important. Yeah, nurses, tennis balls, paper bags, all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff, too, in short supply. Casey Hendrickson here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, 107.5 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. I want to thank the Fort Wayne audience for joining us as well. You can watch the show live right now by going to rumble.com slash Casey the host. Rumble.com slash Casey the host. You can also follow me on Telegram, which is now my primary social media at Casey the host since Facebook censors me. A Colorado school district says that it has launched an investigation after Michelle Malkin shared a story of a sixth grade student in Colorado Springs who says students are punished by being forced to tape face masks to their face if they are caught letting it drift below their nose. Now, of course, uh, I feel it's an obligation at this point in time to point out that there is no cloth face mask that works against COVID, doesn't exist. Surgical masks don't work against COVID. All of, all of 100% of the peer-reviewed and clinical trial research on this, going back to 2007, has said the exact same thing. It's not up for debate. It's not something that uh, somebody who is wearing a stethoscope gets to come in and go, I'm a doctor and I disagree. That's not how this works. The fact of the matter is none of them work that way. I can prove it to anybody. I have proven it to people in the past. All you have to do is look at the micron size. But, um, yes, you can do the, the vape test as well. All of those things are things that can work to illustrate how utterly stupid this is. Now, where masks do work is on droplets, which, of course, COVID is really not spread by droplets. It can be spread by droplets, but it rarely ever is because it's airborne. Uh, but masks can work against a droplet spread virus. And it was believed early on that COVID was spread through droplets because respiratory illness usually is. Uh, not all of them, but generally speaking, respiratory illness is spread through droplets because of mucus and that sort of thing. So that's why the mask thing came, came about. Once we found out it was airborne, that should have immediately went away. But it didn't because, you know, cults will be cults. And that's just how things go. So if you are going to wear a mask to protect against other things that are not COVID, pulling it below your nose is just an extra stupid thing to do, which is why I love mocking some of these so-called concerned parents who push mask mandates on our kids at school, we had this actually happen in one of the school districts here in Michiana. I'm sure it's happened in, in the Fort Wayne area as well, uh, where the concerned parents show up to put masks on kids. And, of course, these concerned parents, this one lady in particular who's leading that movement, gave a news interview with one of the local television stations, and she was wearing her mask below her nose while demanding that all of the kids in the school be forced to mask all day, every day, and not be given any breaks or anything like that. Uh, this should have immediately been addressed by the reporter. It was not addressed by the reporter because, again, reporters don't actually do reporting anymore. So Michelle Malkin shares this story. It's, somebody gave her the uh, the tip. This is uh, Chinook Trail Middle School. The mom rushed to the school after receiving a text message from her daughter about being given blue painter's tape to seal the mask to her face. And since most adults don't actually have to wear one of these things all day, every day on their face like kids do, uh, 
They probably don't understand how uncomfortable and how hot it can get, especially in a crowded classroom environment. Um, and here, one of the things that they were doing is they were initially providing breaks for kids. So there would be a period where you could take your mask, pull it below your nose or, or whatever, just to breathe, get some fresh air, that sort of stuff. And that has been taken away. A lot of those schools have not been adhering to that. Some schools have abandoned it altogether. So the kids basically, from the moment you drop them off, have a mask on their face to the moment you pick them up. And that's a long time. So some of them will pull it down to get some fresh air, which you're supposed to do, by the way, which, by, for the record, actually prevents you from getting COVID, according to the research, but I digress. And the teacher saw this, said, you're not properly wearing your mask, and theoretically she's not. And so what they have done now is they've taped blue, pla blue painter's tape to the mask and then to the skin directly to force the mask to stay over the nose. In other words, it's child abuse. And here's how I know, Josh, here's how I know it's child abuse. Because remember a few years ago when there were some kids, they were on a field trip and they were at a museum. And some of these kids kept running away from the class. And the teacher took the very, uh, I will say, outside the box approach of taking a jump rope that, that they had and wrapping around the kids' wrists loosely and then tying them to the other students so that way the kids wouldn't run away. That was child abuse, and that teacher was fired, and there was actually uh, potential charges involved in that case. I don't remember what exactly happened with it, but I was told that that was child abuse. There's another case where kids have been duct taped, and I was told that that was child abuse. So if you're going to put tape on a kid's face, we have already established that it's child abuse. And so my saying it's child abuse is not hyperbole or my opinion. It is established law. It's child abuse. Uh, Stephanie rushed to the middle school after her daughter texted her that a teacher gave her a warning and then handed her blue painter's tape to seal the mask to her face. At least one other student was also directed to do the same. Uh, the text messages were shared with Michelle Malkin, who then shared them publicly while protecting identities, obviously. There was an audio conversation about the school's mask mandate shared to social media, and the child explained, first we get a warning and then they give us tape, and we do it ourselves so we can like learn and stuff. An adult question, what happens after the warning? The sixth grader then replied, you get tape. When an adult asked what happens if the student refuses to tape and whether any students have refused, the student replied no. So who knows? You know, it's kind of like, uh, like with drugs. Um, you know, when you're faced with child abuse, kids, just say no. Just tell the no. And what's, what's the worst that could happen? You can go home. You can go home for the day. What are they going to do, write you up? So... Stand your ground. Like I've said before, go on offense. Stop playing defense. Screw them. They're bad people. Teachers who paint, who use tape to tape masks to kids' faces are bad people. Period. They're not good people doing a bad thing. They're bad people. It takes an extra special kind of awful person to want to do that to any child of any age. Especially considering it is completely anti-science. It is the exact opposite of what should be happening. But this is what happens when you have panicky ignoramuses who are trying to brainwash your kid in class when you have these ignoramuses and megalomaniacs that are on the, the TV every single day lying to people about the research. And it's funny is I had somebody in the studio here a couple of weeks ago and I was, you know, just going over some of the basic stuff. I was having a conversation with somebody and, you know, she looked at me, she goes, where are you getting all this research from? 
I was like, it might surprise you to find out that it's on the NIH website. She said, what? Like, it's all there. It's on the NIH's website. Nothing that I am saying about masks is not published on the NIH's website. Nothing. It's all there for everybody to find. It's just that nobody bothers to go look. And then people just become okay with abusing children in class. As I've said before, the public schools have become the bullies that they have all of these anti-bullying programs to fight against. They do the exact same thing as all of these bullies, leading with peer pressure. Now, we might have a plan in place for max vaccine, uh, mass vaccine rollouts for your kidlets. We'll talk about that next. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel and covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WOA 107.5 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Bunch of new people hanging out with us on Rumble. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Appreciate that. Hit that subscribe button, too, please. You can watch the show every single day. Or if you miss a part of the show, yeah, you can listen to the podcast. We can also just watch my glorious face on rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Sorry to disappoint you, but you can. You you can go do that. Um, the, The commercial breaks, I'm told, are entertaining. So, anyway, uh, there is a plan. I want to thank listeners for sending this to me this morning, bright and early, before I'd had my coffee and before I was fully awake. But thank you for that. It's nice to know that you were up early and operational, you know, like before the sun woke up. The Biden administration said that it has procured enough of Pfizer's COVID vaccine to inoculate all 28 million 5 to 11-year-olds in the U.S., Josh, do I really need to reiterate the science on this again? Yeah, maybe. Um, okay, let me let me just, uh, I'll give you one aspect of it. All right, I'll give you one aspect of it. Just because I want to make this as easy as possible. Because um, you had this, who was it? It was some governor or something like that went out there and said, kids, ignore your parents, sneak off and go get vaccinated. Telling kids to get a medical procedure without parents' knowledge. Oh, what could go wrong there? Um, I I feel the need to point this out. Not one, but several studies. But one is highlighted routinely because it's the latest one and it's probably the most in-depth, okay? But several studies have shown, particularly with young boys, adolescent boys, which would be in the 5 to 11-year range, the vaccine is more dangerous to them than COVID. I'm going to say this again. The research says, this is not my opinion. This is not Kyle who's blogging from his mom's basement's opinion. This is what the actual clinical research at this time says. Particularly with adolescent boys, your risk of serious negative side effects from the vaccine. I'm not talking about it hurts where they injected me. I'm talking about myocarditis and other serious ailments. Your risk of getting those from the vaccine far outweighs your risk of any serious complications from COVID. There exists no case in the 511 cases of of children who have died with COVID in this country, of which the CDC acknowledges about 45% of them, COVID wasn't a factor in the death. 
The rest of them all had a comorbidity. There isn't a single example of perfectly healthy children without any other health issues dying specifically from COVID. There were some reports in the news about that. But what what, what happened every time we saw those the pictures of those young children? And I'm not minimizing the loss of life here. But when they go perfectly healthy, 13-year-old dies of COVID-19. And you look at a picture, and again, I'm not doing this to be a jerk, but that child is like 300 pounds. Obesity is a comorbidity. There isn't examples that you can find of perfectly healthy, under-18 kids dying of COVID. There will be some people who have conditions that you have got to, you have to factor in. And that's going to be up to you. That is going to be up to your your doctors and everything else, okay? But the White House, of course, is out there saying, we're going to basically force this on, force the vaccine on 5 to 11-year-olds. So let's once again reiterate this because there's still a lot of people out there who do not understand what the vaccines do. I'm going to make this as simple as I can. If you catch COVID and you recover from COVID, you have antibodies that protect you from the entire virus, not just a portion of the virus, but the entire virus. So they work better, they last longer, and they're more resistant to mutations in the virus. The vaccines that we have only work on a small, little, single part of the virus. So it's really easy for the virus to mutate to evade the antibodies that are artificially created in your body with the vaccine. The vaccine who gives you those antibodies, those antibodies, which again are artificial, and well, by by artificial, I mean you didn't get them because you got infected, okay? The vaccine basically tells you to create these things, um, and they don't last a long time. They, they flame out very, very fast. Think of it like an adrenaline shot. You get an adrenaline shot, you have a rush of adrenaline, but it wears off. That's what the vaccines do. So they are not going to permanently protect you. They are going to provide temporary protection to a population that is already permanently protected against serious adverse reactions to COVID. And they are trying to force this on people. And the mRNA technology, they stopped using it to treat cancer patients because there was a toxic effect with more and more injections. I'm not saying it's the same with this, but it's something that parents should know before they make that decision. More coming up next.